I'm going to pray, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. We're at, a, at sort of the end of the beginning section of Ephesians. It is Paul's prayer for these believers. So, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We ask, God, that you would help us to learn from Paul's prayer, that we would uh, desire what he prays for our lives, Lord. Uh, there's, there's, um, it's just a beautiful prayer. And so we, we pray, Father, that as we study this text, that ultimately we would be drawn closer to you. We pray, God, that, uh, things that are barriers in our own life, Lord, that you would remove them so that we would, uh, draw closer to you, that we would be filled by your spirit that we would grow in our understanding of your love uh, for us. Lord, that uh, we would honor you with our lives, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God." Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And Father, we do thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for this word. We ask that you would help us uh, not just to understand uh, what this passage says, but that we would experience these truths and this reality that Paul prayed for in our own lives. Uh, Lord, we are grateful for the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. We are grateful, Lord, that through him we have a relationship with you. And Father, we pray that we would experience you uh, fully in our lives. And may you receive all the glory. In Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we enter into this passage. It's it's really com- concluding uh, the, the first section of Ephesians. It's a major tipping point in Ephesians, because when we start next week, we're going to get into the so what of the book of Ephesians. Like he, he gives out all of this doctrine. It's been said that we move from doctrine to devotion, from theology to the to-do list. Um, and so it's important that we understand the theology, because from the theology, sort of, if, if you're not living out based on the truths that Paul says, then we end up in a system of, of, of religion, a system of works, not a life uh, under grace where we are living for God because of what he has done for us, not living uh, for God trying to earn favor with God, which is a huge, huge distinction. It might look exactly the same on the outside, but on the inside, it's, it's vastly different and uh, can be catastrophic, catastrophic, uh, in an eternal perspective if you're off course. And so Paul almost always focuses on the theology, the truth about God, before he transitions uh, to the application. And so as we look 
at Ephesians, sort of going back to Ephesians chapter 1, the first half of Ephesians chapter 1 is this long string of praise concerning who God is and what he has done on our behalf. Uh, Just Paul uh, is praising God for how glorious and wonderful he is. And then he shifts to a prayer and he says, I am praying to this God on your behalf, asking that he would make himself known to you and, and that you would draw closer to him. And then as we get into the Ephesians chapter 2, he, he defines and explains and expands upon the gospel of grace, that we all were dead in our sins and trespasses. There is nothing that we can do to get right with God. And that while we were in this condition, Jesus came and he made the perfect sacrifice for us that through faith or, or through, uh, by grace, through faith, uh, we could enter into a relationship with God. And it wasn't uh, to stop there, but there's a, a point or a purpose to our lives that before the foundation of the world, God created uh, good works for each one of us to do and to fulfill. Um, and then uh, last week, in verse 1, so chapter 3, verse 1, uh, maybe I'm, I maybe skipped a part here, uh, saved by grace through faith. Then Paul describes that the Gentiles have been grafted in, that we Gentiles who were once far off and outside of the covenant of God, that through Christ we've been grafted in. And at the very end of chapter 2, he says that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And so he says that all of us, Jews and Gentile, through Christ, are brick by brick sort of being built into this this building, this church, this foundation of God. And he says in verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul. And he's about to go into a prayer, but he gets sort of distracted. And he begins to expand upon the gospel and the, the this great mystery of this plan of God. And by the time we get to verse 14, uh, he gets back to that point in which he started. And he says, for this reason, I bend my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. So he says, for this reason, because of this great mystery, the beauty of the gospel that Jesus, through his death, would bring all people together through Christ, all people who are in Christ together into the church. And this beautiful mystery that God had established beforehand, Paul, thinking about these Gentiles who have been grafted in into the body of God and the formation of the church, he says, for this reason, I'm praying for you. And I'm bending my knees, sort of this, this picture of Paul's posture before God, that he's on his knees, he's humble before the Father. Uh, when he says before the Father, he says, the Father from whom Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That God is God. He is the beginning, the alpha and the omega. He is over all. All creation has come into existence through him. There is no other uh, God 
It is God alone. And before this God, he's bending his knee and he's praying. It's beautiful. Um, I think that there's a lesson here to not lose track of who we are praying to. When we, when we communicate with God, when we pray, it's so easy for us to sort of uh, get into sort of uh, these habits of like, oh, I'm going to pray for my meal and I'm going to say a prayer for whatever. I'm going to, I have this worry and I just pray. And it's just sort of like this abstract force or abstract something. Maybe there's a little bit of power out there. But Paul wants us to follow his example is that when we pray, we're coming before the creator, the one whom we read about in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was God and God created the heavens and earth and he spoke existence in, in, into being, like all of us, everything from as far out as you can go with a, with a, with a telescope or as, as minute as you can go with a microscope to see the beauty of creation that this all originates from God. And it's to this God that we pray, that we bow our knees down, and that this God wants us to be known as Father. And on this day that we celebrate Father's Day, we don't really do a whole lot for for days. Um, I recognize that in this life, in this uh, that this the reality that we go through, you might not have the best mother or father. Now, there's not, I'm not, this isn't calling out all the dads here. This is, this is a, but for us to recognize that we have a father in heaven who is good to us, who cares about us. Our fathers are going to be imperfect um, because we're, we're, we're all, we're humans. None of us are perfect, but we do have this perfect father in heaven who says, I desire to have this relationship with you. I desire for you to communicate with me. And so Paul here is bending his knees before the Father. He describes the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant to you. So he's praying to the Father that he would grant something to them, that he would grant to you, sort of in parentheses here, according to the riches of his glory, that he's going to ask something. Uh, from God for these Gentile believers, according to the riches of the glory. And what he's asking for is that they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self, that deep within their core, that they would have this strength, that the origin of the strength is God himself. Um, This is almost beyond what we can possibly fathom in this life. This week, I stumbled across a little thing about a Coke can. And it said that if it was full, it was like super strong. And I didn't really believe it. And the thing about working at this church in particular is like Melanie in her office, she like never knows what's going to be coming out of my office. I'm like, hey, Melanie, I need you. Okay, what's going on? We need to go outside. She's like, what's happening? I'm like, research. <laughs> and she's like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm interested. And so I grabbed this Coke can. It's full. There's clearly marks in the side. And I'm like, I read this thing that said you could stand on a Coke can, and it wouldn't explode. And she's like, I don't know about this. I, 
Like, I'm not feeling very good about this. And so, because this is an empty one, right? Like, I'm pretty certain that if I stand on this one, when I was a kid, right, you could do it and you could flick it and it would collapse. But I've put on some weight since then. I'm more worried about falling over at this. See, it already collapsed. And I, I think, you know. So then I sit on this one. I don't really want to do it inside because I think Melanie might be messing with me. Like, I, I'm not sure. But so I, we went outside. I got balanced on it. And she's like, I'm like, flick it. She's like, I did. I'm like, no, you didn't. I didn't feel it. She's like, I'm like, flick it harder. She's like, I did. And I'm like, flick it harder. She's like, I'm karate chopping the thing. It's not breaking. Do you guys believe me? You, okay, you guys believe me. <laughs> Melanie's like, I really want to do it again, but I feel like she's setting me up to have it explode up here to like ruin the illustration. Do you guys, uh, should we try it or no? I don't know. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> do it in front of you? Oh, with the donuts. Melanie wants to come up here. She really does. I'm really afraid that I'm going to ruin all the sound equipment and Dawn's going to get upset. Okay, do you sure? Were you messing with me? Because what happens if it doesn't work? Then it's a terrible illustration. Then we all have to leave. Okay. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. Harder. Okay, that's good enough. That's good enough. We don't want (laughs) to... So it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's like, if it's a full Coke can, I mean, she was flicking it. Well, give it to somebody to have after service if they want to have it. Um, But so when he prays that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit on the inner self, what he prays is like strength that comes from the inside. Because strength that comes from the inside is so much stronger than like strength that you can sort of put on the outside. Um, As a SEAL instructor and as a SEAL, kind of the one thing I've noticed, um, I'm faced with this a lot where somebody meets me and they go, oh, you're a Navy SEAL. They're like, you don't look like one. I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't know what you think they look like, but they look like normal people. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like there are some that are there are some guys that are really strong and really muscular, but like in large part we're not like we're not really that way. And as an instructor, what I could tell is when we had sort of either discovered or created, I think it's more discovered who the individuals are. It would always come around Thursday of Hell Week, and for those of you that don't know Hell Week, Hell Week starts Sunday afternoon, and it goes till Friday afternoon. And you get a, a total of about four hours of sleep. Um, not all at once, but like broken throughout the week. And, and the class drastically reduces. And somewhere between like midnight on Wednesday night and Thursday mid-morning, something radically happens to the class. We realize that we can no longer hurt them. We can, we can no longer like isolate one and break the one. If we try to go after one student and try to cr- create division, because that's how we do, we'll, we'll like ping on one kid, one kid, one kid, one kid, and then the class will turn on him, and then they kind of like, then we get a bunch of quitters and we all cheer, and then we, you know, next shift comes in. But then all of a sudden, 
you'll reach this point, like, and you just don't really know when it's going to happen. And we start pinging on the one. It's like, okay, you go to the surf zone, which is not fun at two in the morning in the wintertime. And it's like, then the whole class is like all going to the surf zone. We're like, no, stop. No, only the, only that guy. And it's like, no, we're all going. And they're like, well, we're going to hammer you. Like, bring it. You can't hurt us. And it's like, oh. And we kind of smile on the inside because this is what we desire. Because they're not stronger on the outside. The reality is that they're all broken on the outside and they're all much weaker by this point in, in the training than when they started. They certainly are, are broken, hobbled. They're a total disaster at this point. But they just, they discover this inner strength that's just not breakable. And when I've gone through life, I've seen a lot of individuals who put on a front of external strength. And I think that religion does this. Like on the spiritual plane, you've probably experienced these people or in your minds you have experienced these people who they do everything that you think a spiritually minded person should do. Externally, they fit the bill perfectly. And inevitably, like not inevitably, but a lot of times from these people who we have like built up in their mind, there's, there's some sort of catastrophic failure. And it's like you realize that what they were presenting wasn't necessarily the reality of who they are. And Jesus would, would go after the religious leaders. He would call them whitewashed tombs. That these are, it's death that's with a nice coat of paint. And so what Paul is praying is that God would fill these Gentile believers and the Jewish believers, but his ministry was to the Gentile believers that God would grant to them according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit so that his spirit would be within him, within them, and that in their inner self they would find strength in him. And it's been said, if the inner man is strong, the outer man will be strong. On this Father's Day, I think about from the, the first day that we brought our first child home, Grace, who's sitting over there. She's like, this is awesome. It's not about you. It's about me. <laughs> like, um, but like for all of our kids, if, if not daily, like throughout the week, my prayer is that God would fill them and that he would strengthen them and that he would help them to understand who he is so that they could live their lives in a way that brings glory to him because this world is a hard world. There's sin, there's temptation, there's horrific things that happen to people day in and day out. And the only way that I know that an individual can endure these things in a, in, in a way that uh, doesn't lead to like super bad... Is, super bad places is to be so connected to God that as he is inside of you, that, that regardless of the most horrific thing that you could possibly imagine happening to somebody, that even in that moment, there would be peace and stability and a way to endure it. Um, I think that we all have seen, like we've seen this in individuals when, when something happens and then you, you learn that they are a, a, a child of God, that they walk with Christ 
and you see that the, the dignity and peace, and how they're able to navigate things that, that from an earthly perspective, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, from, from horrible things that happen to you to if you read biographies and historic uh, uh, nonfiction, I'm like, what is it? I'm like, I went to public school, you know, I'm like, oh, which is it non? Or the one that's true, I always get Melanie mad when I say that, so I, I always do that. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, but like these true stories of these like Christians over the, the centuries that they go through like, like horrible things, like not recanting, being burned at the stake so that the gospel could go forward. It's like, how in the world do these people do these sorts of things? And how they do these sorts of things is that they are so closely walking with God and they are so filled by the Spirit that regardless of what the world throws their way, they're so connected to God that there's nothing that the world can do to them because they're walking with God. I think of, of Daniel in the, the fiery furnace. We all know this, like we know this story. He was told to bow down and then the threats came. And he looks at the guy and he says, listen, like, if you throw me in there, like, regardless if I die or live, like, I'm, I have God and he's going to be with me. Like, I might lose my life but I won't lose my life. I will be with him forever. And this is an inner strength. And this is the inner strength that Paul is writing to them. This is the inner strength. Remember, uh, just previously at the end of chapter two, uh, where did it say? Uh, I'm in the, am I in the right book? I'm in the right book. Uh, okay, at the end of, uh, not the end of chapter two, it's at the, the last week's verse. Verse 13, therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. Here Paul is. He is under arrest. He will ultimately lose his life for proclaiming the gospel to this world that was dying apart from Jesus. And he would ultimately lose his life. And so from a human perspective, he was weak because he was in custody. He was weak because he would lose his life. The, the authorities that were in power would win by earthly uh, standards. But Paul says, I have strength that whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, whether I'm healthy, whether I'm weak, I have learned the secret to be content in all things. For in Christ, he's, I'm strengthened in Christ. Like, I can endure all things in Christ who strengthens me. That's my translation of that verse. Not that I can do all things, but I can endure all things in Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. And what he's praying is that they would be so connected to God that they would have his strength within them that regardless of what comes their way, they would be okay. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, this idea that he would take a residency, that he would tabernacle within your hearts, that your hearts would become home to him. This happens through faith, not through your works, not that you do things and then God says, okay, you've cleaned up the place well enough that I can move in. This is no. 
that you fall before him, you receive the gift, that you acknowledge what he has done for you. And at that moment, the spirit of God comes within you and seals you. And then he begins the cleaning process. And if Christ is within you, you will be strong. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge. So that as Christ comes into their hearts, as their strength, and he says the next part of his prayer is is that you may be able to comprehend. That's what he's actually asking, that you may be able to comprehend something, um, that you, since you are rooted and grounded in love, since you have experienced, he's writing to believers, so they've experienced Christ, they've believed in Christ, they've trusted in Christ, the Spirit of God has sealed them, Jesus is within them, and because of this truth, he's asking that they would be able to comprehend something. This literally means that you might be extra strong to grasp something. And then the irony is the thing that he's asking us or praying, or he's not, he's, he's praying that we would comprehend something that surpasses knowledge. <laughs> so as he writes, he, he recognized that what he's, what he's praying is this, this request that the followers of Christ would be able to comprehend something that is impossible to explain. And so what he's asking that they would comprehend is found in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ. He wants them, he wants us to understand how much God loves us. Uh, you, know, I've, you know, you hear people say, oh, I want to, I want to go deeper. I want to learn greater things. I want, I want to go beyond the basics of Christianity. Well, the reality is this is the most overwhelming thing that we'll never be able to fully grasp is God's love for us. It makes no sense. It's not mathematical. There's nothing that we've done to deserve this. You could spend your life dwelling upon the beauty of this reality is that the creator of everything when we look at the stars and we go out into the galaxies and we look at the vastness of what appears to be like eternity out there, or we look at a microscope and we look at the, the details of his creation, and that the God who did all of that, the Bible's message is this simple, profound message that that God, he loves you. And Paul's prayer for these these young believers in Ephesus, his prayer for them is that they would comprehend this, this knowledge that, that's sort of hard to grasp is that God loves you, that God loves them. It go, this, this, this love that God has for us, it goes beyond words, it goes beyond understanding, but if you've experienced it, it's overwhelming. You know, I've, I've shared that, that it's like you have these moments where you can like, you get something like very tangible of like that, that God has done something that their only way to connect it is God and to see that his, his caringness, like it's Father's Day today. 
Like you guys all know, like the last couple of months, like the, you know, losing my dad on Easter. And then two days after Easter, after his passing clean out place, getting from the breeder, this dog, and she said, oh, the dog's name's Thumper. It seems super silly to say it, but it's like, wait, what did you just say his dog's name was? Like the very, the, the, the thing that my dad called me to mess with me as a kid, which I kind of forgot about until this text came through from this lady. And there was no way for, uh, for me to connect. Like it was just a very much like God's hand saying, I love you. Like I'm aware of what's going on. Everything's going to be okay. And you thought you were going to name the dog Queso, but the dog's name's Thumper. And so now I have a dog named Thumper, you know? It's like... And, and so the, the, the point is, is he says that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And theologians grapple, like, what does this phrase mean? How do we be full, filled with the fullness of God? I think that the point here is that Paul wants them to experience God. That God wouldn't just be some, like, two-dimensional sort of concept out there. Um, it, when you look at the history of, of the, church, that the people of Ephesus, that this was a place of many, many gods, that he wouldn't just be one of many gods, but that they would experience, that they would know, that they would have this deep, intimate relationship with their creator, the sustainer of the universe, the one who cares for us and provides for our daily needs, that whatever stress or trial you're going through, to know that this stress or trial, that God is there and that he's doing something through it. And even if it's something that you don't enjoy or you don't like, to to be able to rest in the sovereignty of God and say, well, I don't like this, I don't understand this, but I believe that God is greater than this and he's going to do something through this, or he is doing something through this that I can't possibly see from my vantage point of where I am, this is a huge and radical thing. Uh, there's really no better place to be. And I think this is why Paul prays this for them. Then he says in verse 20, now to him, now when he speaks of him, this is God. Now, what does he want to expand about God? There's a couple sort of uh, parenthetical statements sort of that are connected to him, this God that he's talking about. Now to him, this him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. So now he talks about this God that he's praying to, that when we pray to God and we ask things, there are things that we ask God that he's able to do far more than anything you could possibly ask or you could possibly think, this is a pretty great God. We often think of God far too small. We think of God with a, with a, with a, with a capital G. I mean, a, lo- a lowercase G, excuse me. My, my thoughts got ahead of me. I remember just now of a story of a young pastor who had like, gone through seminary, and then he was asked to come back to speak at the chapel. And when he was speaking at the chapel, the, the president of the seminary came and sat in the back row. And as the, the young man began to, to share the sermon to the students in seminary, he noticed within five minutes that the president walked out. And he's like, oh, man. So he finished his message. And then later he saw the guy, and he's like, am I, like, I saw you leave. Like, am I in trouble? And the guy's like, no, 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 my schedule's really busy, but I just want to come and see if you preach to a capital G God or a lowercase G God. Wow. And you preach to a capital G God. And so in the first five minutes, I could tell and I could get to my rest of my meetings. 
And Paul wants us to understand that we have this capital G, God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Then he says, according to the power that works within us. So the the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that power is within us. And that's a thought that's like, like I can't unpack. I mean, that's just over. Like, what am I? I how's like how is that? Like, it's overwhelming. I think the thought here is that God cares more about you. He cares more about me than we could possibly imagine. And He has enabled us in Christ through His Spirit to to live out the Christian life. Then he says, he ends with, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory. It's not about us. It's not about anything we do. It's about him. He is the one deserving of all the glory. So the question is like, what do we do with this? And this is one of those passages that I like to loop back around and to read it in its entirety in the New Living Translation, which is a little bit more colorful uh, than the New American Standard. And so the New Living Translation writes this passage in this way. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources... He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And I think through this, Paul recognizes that those who have decided to follow after Christ, that regardless whether you realize it or not, you have been drafted into a spiritual battle. Paul understands this, and he wants those of us who are in this battle to be strengthened so that we can engage in a way that's meaningful that we would succeed. And in order to succeed, we need the Lord within us to live out what we've been called to do. We are weakless. We are helpless. There is nothing that we can do in our own strength. And so Paul prays for them in this way. I think in his prayer, we receive a wonderful prayer that we can use as a template for our own lives, for our children's lives, for the missionaries that we support, for people that you know, like as we pray for one another, using this prayer and Paul's prayers as a template for how to pray is a wonderful thing. And from this prayer, he's going to transition 
into practice. He's going to go from uh, theology to the to-do list, from doctrine to devotion of their lives, of how do they live it out. But the warning is, is that the external, how we live out our lives, it doesn't really matter if we're doing it from the wrong source or the wrong thinking. And I think that that's Paul's prayers, that we would understand correctly. And if we understand correctly, and if we're walking with God, then how we live out our lives, it will be done in a way that's pleasing to him because it will be in obedience to him. It will be in listening to his voice. It'll be following his lead as we go about our day. So with that, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this beautiful prayer. Lord, I ask that you would draw us close to yourself. We pray, Father, that we would gain a greater, deeper understanding of your love for us. We thank you that our relationship with you came by faith, through, by grace through faith alone. And we ask, Father, that you would strengthen us in our inner person, that we would walk closely with you, And I know that each one of us has things that we're stressed about, has things that we're worried about. I think it was David Jeremiah that says, as Christians, we're either uh, coming out of a storm, in the midst of a storm, or heading into a storm. And so wherever we are in that cycle, Lord, we need you. And so we pray, Father, that you would help us to stay close to you so that we would be strong For in your presence is the safest place for us to be. And so, Lord, we ask that as we go about our days, that you would help us to honor you in all that we do and think. We pray that you would use us as a church, Lord, for your glory. We love you, Lord. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen.